0: Reds Nation, what's happening? I'm your host, Brent Perlman, and this, right now, live, at least for me, is the Reds Pulse. How's everybody doing today? Here on the Reds Pulse, we'll talk everything Cincinnati Reds baseball today. We'll talk about tomorrow and the glorious future that lies ahead for that beautiful Queen City franchise. I am presented to you by the Pulse Podcast Network Check us out. You can find any sports team, movie podcast, comedy podcast, Dungeons & Dragons podcast, whatever you may like. Check us out, www.pulsepodcastnetwork, or check us out on Twitter at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. Today, we'll get into some of the, again, we'll just stick with uh, what's going on in Goodyear, Arizona, so some of the big storylines as the Reds have started Spring Training Baseball, which is exciting So we'll get into some of those main storylines I'll give you my top three ballpark foods And I am no skinny chicken, so I know my way around a ballpark vendor (laughs) And finally, we'll get into just some around baseball free agency talk And touch on, um, kind of review a little bit real quickly What the Reds did this this offseason and maybe even next season So we'll talk about some of that But first... The Reds have officially started playing baseball, and for all those of you at home keeping track, they are 2-2-1, two, two, and one. so big things for the Reds, very important. Just kidding, none of it really matters. Um, I guess some of the, the players who have been kind of up, I think Nick Senzel yesterday, Wednesday, um, February 27th, He went three for three, which was a really great deal. He also patrolled center field, looked really good out there, um, got to every ball. And man, I didn't know he was that quick. Um, You know, I I knew he had some speed, but um, in the outfield on the base pass, it really shows. I I don't know if he's gotten worked on that because he knew that, you know, center field might be in the cards for him, but um, I'm impressed with how quick he is. I did not expect, I mean, he's a big kid. Um, So I did not expect to see that speed out of him, which was nice to see. And probably the most surprising thing, is I come to you today, uh, Thursday, February 28th, uh, Peraza is 5-for-5 in spring training, which is awesome. I mean, just incredible. He's always been a high batting average guy, um, but to start spring training out hitting that well – is really just a testament to how hard you've been working in the off season and how much time you've spent in the cage. And, you know, he didn't come in fat. You know, he came in working out and, um, you know, really on track to have a great year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, you know, one of the negative spots, and every you take all the stuff with a grain of salt, you know, is Alex Wood. You know, Alex Wood, he only threw, again, he only threw one inning, but in one inning gave up three runs, gave up a, a home run, um, Gave up a, a double to our old friend Edwin Encarnacion. Um, and, and I really had high hopes for Alex Wood. Um, and I still do. Um, it's early. It's just, uh, I, w- I was a little surprised by that. I expected him to come out a little sharper. And, he, and I hope he will. And I, I think he comes out and shows that. At least I believe he does. So we'll, we'll find out more with that. Um, but I think probably the biggest storyline out of spring training so far, in my opinion, has probably been the whole sunny gray beginning in Cincinnati Um, and what happened was he was supposed to start the first spring training game against the Cleveland Indians who share uh, the ballpark down in Goodyear, Arizona with us but he was delayed for spring training uh, because he had some elbow stiffness, and people were complaining, they were crying, oh my god, here we go again, you know, Homer Bailey, Brandon Finnegan, Robert Stevenson, you know, this is, it's, it's, but it's just, it, you can't compare them, They're, everyone's different, and you, you can't be scared by the past either. Um, you know, you can be a, a little on edge and be, you know pay a little more attention to him, but to, to fully you know, I saw some people were talking about how, man, Sonny Gray—it's already a—it's already a bust of a signing. You, you have him for three more. I mean, gosh, it's so early. Um, you know, I think Sonny Gray is going to be just fine. Uh, I really do. Again, I would not have him as the opening day starter, especially now. Um, the guy has a ton of pressure on his plate. Um, you know, just getting the three-year deal. He's the only pitcher the Reds really brought in for more than this year that they really, you know, he was a free agent. There, excuse me, they've traded for him, but they then signed the extension to keep him around for three years. Um, you know, he's an important important part of the future. I just don't see the value in starting him opening day. Um, you know, and and the other part of that is you're now now he's already behind and um, not by much, but he's behind his regular schedule. Um, you know, and the other thing is you can't compound these injuries. You know, if he has an elbow stiffness, give him some time. You have him for three years. You This isn't a one-year guy where you can kind of push him a little bit because you may not pay him next year. Um, Sonny Gray's on the roster next year. Take care of him. Let him get healthy. Um, And then hopefully we'll see kind of where Sonny Gray's up, Gray ends up uh, with the Reds. I Again, I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried at all about this elbow stiffness. I think it's, you know, pretty simple. It's the first game of spring training who really even watched or really paid attention to the stats of that game. Um, So I think Sonny Gray will be fine. Uh, I think it's just kind of an overreaction to uh, um, some past history the Reds have with some pitchers. Um, I think the second big storyline I kind of wanted to touch on for a little bit was some of Puig's, um, Yasiel Puig um, obviously going to be a guy who's interviewed from the media constantly. We're going to get quote after quote after quote from him. Um, you know, pretty much every game. And he's going to have some fun stuff to say. If you know anything about Yasiel Puig from his days with the Dodgers, uh, you know he's not shy to tell you how he feels. So I'm just going to read some of these comments, and I'll tell you uh, kind of my take. So I'll, I'll start with my what I consider the bad, which was uh, a quote he said, Last couple of years, I didn't work hard. I still have a contract to go. Meaning... That he didn't feel he really needed to work very hard. Because he had a contract in place. This wasn't It wasn't a contract year for him last year. The last couple of years. Um, he felt very comfortable. And that is very, very worrisome as a Reds fan. It's great for this season as a Reds fan. But in terms of giving him a long-term deal after this year. That scares the living daylights out of me. And if you did, I don't think you'd give him multiple years. Especially because... Like I just said, Yasiel Puig speaks what exactly what he's thinking, and you know I, I can appreciate that, um, but if that's really how he thinks, I mean, giving him a three four I mean three years isn't that super long, but um, you know giving him a five year deal would be the last thing I would do. To one I want to keep this guy motivated. Um, this guy is hyper emotional, and um, I I think it probably in a way, help the Reds to understand his mindset and how you might want to motivate this guy. Um, So I I didn't love it, Um, you know, from a ball player standpoint. I think that's kind of a weak excuse. Um, You know, sure, he still had another contract to go, but he was under contract. The Dodgers were paying him. You know, when a team's paying you to perform and you you have a problem with that, you know, then you go in the offseason and you deal with it. You don't complain and you don't, you know, kind of sit there and pout. Um, and I'm not saying that's what he did. I'm just saying that's what the comments reflect. Um, so that was a little worrisome. I think um, you know, I think he's going to be a really interesting guy this year. Uh, I think he's going to cause a lot of turmoil. But I think he's also going to put a lot of smiling faces on a lot of fans. And also his teammates. I think he's really going to bond with his teammates. But he's going to have his moments. He's going to have his scary comments. Um, but now to some of the good stuff. In that same interview, he said... Now I will work harder than any year of my life for the Reds. So I'll take that. He said red is his favorite color. I love Cincinnati. He said if they give me the money I want, I'll stay it was his implication. And the last thing he said was trying to prove the Dodgers made a mistake. Now this comment kind of blew up for the Reds fans just because they were saying, "Oh, you know, you got to get over the Dodgers. You're a Reds you're a Reds player now. You, you can't look at the past." And here's what I'll say. I'll say, you got to be motivated in life. You got to be motivated to get up. You got to be motivated to work hard. You got to be motivated. You can do something. That doesn't mean you do it well. If you're motivated in some area, you're going to work much, much, much harder at that area. So, to be honest with you, I don't love where his motivation comes from either. I don't really want him worrying about the Dodgers while he's playing for the Reds. But if that's what makes him work hard, so be it. You know, I I had a great example in my own life um, that, you know, when a girlfriend broke up with me, I ended up going on a great diet and I lost a lot of weight. Um, Now, was that the greatest motivation that some girl dumped me? Probably not. I probably should have moved on with my life and and kind of, you know, found different motivation. But the end result was beautiful. You know, having lost all that weight, I had more self-confidence. You know, it was a great thing. So the, the motivation is important, but I don't know how important you know, analyzing whatever that motivation is. If you have the motivation, that's a win. You know, I'll take that seven days of the week. Any day that ends in Y, um, you know, I'll take that. So I, I really didn't have a big problem with his comments. But I have to say that I didn't work hard the last couple of years. Um, I appreciate the honesty, but that's, that's kind of a scary thought. Um, that he also knew that. Um, it's kind of scary. But anyway, Yasiel Puig. Man, he's only been with us for a couple of months now. I already got so much to talk about with him. He is going to be one interesting character. Um, and then one of the final things I'll get into with the Reds in the spring training uh, was they signed Jose Iglesias. Now, he's an infielder that's been around for a little bit. Uh, not a young guy, but uh, they signed him to a minor league deal. He played shortstop for the Uh, Detroit Tigers for about four or five years. Uh, He started out with the Red Sox. He's really primarily a a fielder. Um, You know, he can hit the ball very well. I think his career average is above 250, so he can hit. Don't get me wrong, but he's really more slick with the glove. Um, Very good infielder numbers. Um, As I said earlier, you know, David Bell is very comfortable with Peraza. It's short. Um, You know, I mentioned it a couple podcasts ago. Maybe they end up shopping. Uh, you know, Scooter Jeanette, so maybe they need another middle infielder to come in. Um, You know, I think it was a great signing. And and to go with that signing, you really look at what the Reds bench is going to look like this year. Now, the talk with the Reds is that they're going to carry probably about 13 pitchers. So you're only 13, 14 pitchers. Now, I think probably more towards the 14. I think David Bell is going to want to use his bullpen a lot. He's going to want to use a lot of different pitchers. He's going into that very analytical view of baseball. Um, he's going to want to, to approach every single batter-pitcher matchup and try to get the best he can. Um, so I, I would bet they might carry 14. Um, so if that's the case, then I think they carry, let's say, four bench players. Now let's, let's say that that was the case for last year. Listen to this bench last year. Devin Mezzarocco. Cliff Pennington, Phil Gosselin, Philip Irvin. Now, I actually like Philip Irvin a lot. I think he's got a pretty solid future. I don't see him being an All Star, obviously, but um, I like him. But but then you compare that to what the Reds bench is supposed to look like this this off and this is me considering an an outfield of Winker, Senzel, and Puig. So if that's your outfield, then your bench is going to go Shebler, Kemp, Kurt Casali. Dietrich, and then if any time you want, you bring up Jose Iglesias. You bring him up from, you know, from Louisville. And uh, man, I, I just think uh, it's it's just a beautiful bench, and I think it plays again right into David Bell's hands. He's gonna want to move guys around during the game. He's gonna want pinch hitting. He's gonna want to do double switches. Um, he's gonna want to do all these things, and you gave him the roster to do that. You know, the Reds front office has to be very has to pat themselves on the back. Uh, not only do I think David Bell was a really good signing, I'm not going to call it incredible, but I think it was a really solid signing. But ever since they made that move, they kind of realized, now we got to get this guy the roster that will fit his philosophy. Now, last podcast I talked about, we'll kind of see David Bell's philosophy develop as the year goes on, but... You know, going into the year, that David Bell's going to be very analytical. He's said that, he has that background. Um, It's it's just a matter of fact. So, to do that, you can't do that with a bench of Cliff Pennington and Phil Gosselin. Um, You need guys like Kemp coming off the bench for a big at-bat in the 8th, 7th inning, ninth inning. Uh, Shebler, not even a starter anymore, but a really great bat off the bench. People really like Kirk Casale. Uh, they say he's a really solid defensive catcher, and if they didn't have Tucker, um, they could see him being a major league you know, catcher, probably in the bottom half of all of baseball, but still a major league catcher, um, and he's, he's hit really well, actually, for the Reds. And finally, this kid Dietrich. This kid Dietrich the other day just drove in three runs in the spring training game, so he can hit um, and field the ball. He's a utility guy. You can play him wherever you want. Um, man, the Reds bench is exciting. Um, when you just look at it on paper, you know, David Bell is going to have a lot of decisions to make. Um, and that's that's kind of what goes into what my whole point about his philosophy is he has so many options. I think he's going to find multiple times during the season, you know, he'll look back after the game and said yeah, you know, I made this decision. You know, I put Dietrich in in the seventh inning, you know, maybe. And then he can kind of go back and go, you know, maybe Shebler would have been better there. Or maybe this double switch. um, He's going to go back into his office after a lot of games and reevaluate because he has the roster to reevaluate. You know, if he were making decisions and he had, (laughs) let's just say, he said to himself, oh, man, you know, I I wish I didn't have to bring in Cliff Pennington last year. I wish I could have brought in, you know, uh, Kemp for a big at-bat but last year he wouldn't have been able to say that. He would have said, well, you know, Cliff Pennington was really the only bat I had off the bench, you know, and, you because know, I needed him to play the infield after, and f- there was no other infielders. Philip Irvin was probably the best bat off the bench. Um, so, man, they've made some in- serious improvements on their bench, and I think that'll really start to pay off this season, especially with David Bell and his analytical views. Um, but next I'll get into my top three. Ballpark Foods, probably the most important segment I do here on Red's Pulse. But first, are you looking for something new in fantasy sports? I know I am. The All Sports League is just for you. The All Sports League is a 10-man online draft where you'll pick two full teams. So you'll pick the teams instead of the players from eight different sports for a 16-team roster. It goes like this. Let's say you get the first pick. Would you go with Golden State, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Reds? Or would you head to the gridiron thinking that Clemson repeats or that Alabama knocks them off? The online draft starts on June 16th, but spots are filling up super quickly. Come check it out at allsportsleague.com. Again, that is allsportsleague.com. Specifically for our listeners, use the promo code Pulse15 And get $10 off. Sign up today and get to work with your new challenge of learning the rules and creating a big board like you have never have before. I'll be there and I hope to see you there as well. Alright, let's get into the most asked for. You guys have been pounding me on Twitter for this. Uh, You need more of it so I'll give you one right now. My top three ballpark foods. Number three, I'll start with the soft pretzel. The soft pretzel is so essential at a baseball game for this reason only, you can't really eat the soft pretzel anywhere else, especially not at home. I don't know if any of you have tried to go out and buy soft pretzels and make them at home but it's a joke. You got to let them thaw. They're all kind of wrinkly. You can never get the right texture. You can never really get the right amount of salt on there. You got to like, you know, dry a paper towel, put it on the pretzel and then dump the salt and then like press it into it. It's it's just a ridiculous process to do at home. So it's an event. So eating the soft pretzel to me has a feel. It's like popcorn. I can't eat popcorn at home, buttered popcorn. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. I don't feel. I feel shortcut. I feel like I should be somewhere more important. Even though, let's be real, when I'm sitting at home, I'm the most important thing that's going on. But the soft pretzel at a ball game, it just fits the script. The salt can come right off, fall on the ground. It's a perfect fit at a ball game. That's why I put it at number three. Number two will surprise pretty much anyone who knows me. I'm a big hot dog guy, but I'm going to have to put hot dog at number two. Listen here, it's a classic. Of course, probably the most classic by far at any ball game. If Cracker Jacks were still around, maybe it's Cracker Jack. So that's a tough debate. But I'm going to stick with Hot Dog. It's at every single ballpark around the world. Um, you can get a Brat. You can get a White Hot. You can get the famous Cincinnati Cheese Coney. Uh, come on. So that's why the Hot Dog is obviously up there. I really don't need to do more explaining. It's kind of a soft toss, Um, you know, the hot dog at number two. But number one, and this isn't even close, ladies and gentlemen, the number one food at a ball game is the peanuts. The peanuts make the ball game. If you go watch baseball and you don't decide to get peanuts, you better have a peanut allergy. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm going to not ever go to a game with you ever again. And here's really what it comes down to. It's super reckless. You can just rip the shell off, throw it on the ground. When you put your feet down, you feel like you're in sand yourself. You feel like you're on the infield. Uh, You can just be so reckless with it. It keeps you busy. I think that's one of the most important things is baseball is a slow game. I love it with all my heart, but, man, it can be painful at times. And the, the peanuts give you something to do. You know, you're dealing with the shell. You're trying to get the best nut. You're, you're sharing with people around you. You know, who doesn't want someone in the row in front of them to turn around and go, hey, you want the rest of these peanuts? Happens all the time. It's because peanuts bring people together. I'm telling you people. And most, maybe not most importantly, I think the most important thing is that it's so reckless and it keeps you busy. But one of the more important things is that it goes great with beer. As we all know, Baseball and beer go hand-in-hand. Nuts and beer go hand-in-hand. So it just fits every avenue. People are going to be yelling at me. They're going to be blowing me up on Twitter saying, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. I will defend Peanuts until the ninth inning, and I will close it out with Peanuts. It is the winner this week. All right, let's get into some of the final stuff I got for you this week. I got some little free agency thoughts. um, As free agency still rolling around, Bryce Harper still not signed. Um, And when you really look at the history of all this, when it comes to Bryce Harper, I think this was probably the plan all along. And people might say, oh, well, maybe he doesn't want to be in camp. Maybe he just kind of wants to get into spring training at the last second. I, I don't think that's very true at all. Bryce Harper works very, extremely hard. You get on Twitter and you go look at his his Twitter account. He's constantly in the cage and doing this. And he likes to let you know about it also if you know anything about Bryce Harper. Um, but I think at this point, you know, you're already about a week into spring training. I think at this point Bryce Harper is probably hurting himself. Not tremendously, But I don't think the numbers, unless he can get a really desperate team, and it seems like the only desperate team out there is the Phillies. But it also feels like he's just dangling the Phillies out there because he knows that that number is really high. Um, I would venture to guess that the the Phillies are throwing out the most money. I mean, they have the most money to spend. I don't know why they wouldn't. So I wonder how much Bryce Harper is keeping them in the running just to keep that price up. Um, but I think teams like the Dodgers and the Giants, two other favorite teams to land him, I think they're going to start to say to themselves, "Man, we're really just bidding against ourselves here." You know, we we have a pretty solid team going into spring training. You know, well, what's the hassle dealing with this guy anymore? Um, and if that happens, then the Phillies don't have to pay Bryce that much money. So I think every day that goes by costs Bryce, you know, probably I don't know half a million. Um, not Bryce Harper. That's absolutely nothing. But I just think at at this point, Bryce Harper has to realize, even himself, you know, what's five million, what's ten million? Where do you want to go play baseball? You know, the earlier you get into camp, the more the fans will jump on you. Now, yes, they'll be thrilled with you any moment you walk in. You could walk in two months into the season, and they'd be very thrilled. But get to get to spring training. Get to the dedicated fans that go to spring training. Sign some autographs. Show your face in the jersey. Um, I just think Bryce Harper, at the end of the day, has to pick where he wants to go play baseball. Um, And I'm going to stick. I'm going to venture out and stick with the team I said all along. I really think he wants to be in San Francisco. I think he's a Las Vegas kid. I don't think he really wants to be in L.A. You know, Not the closest to his home, but obviously very close. I think Northern California helps him stay close, but not too close. He has a nice little buffer there. Um, And obviously, if you visit Northern California, as I have family out there, it just takes your breath away if you go visit. AT&T Park is just beautiful. Probably one of my top five ballparks in in all of uh, baseball. Um, It's just intoxicating when you go visit it. On top of all the Silicon Valley and you got the Golden State Warriors, it's a beautiful market for Bryce Harper, who we know really wants to market himself. Um, So I think at the end of the day, Bryce Harper ends up in San Francisco, which would be great for me because if you have followed Reds Pulse from the beginning, you would know I said at the beginning that Bryce would go to the Giants, and I picked Machado to the Padres. So I would have started my Reds Pulse career on an incredible, incredible high note, and I'll just carry that right through, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast ain't going anywhere. It's going to stay that efficient the entire time. Mark my words, but don't quote me. Now, the other thing that's interesting about the free agency is the Cubs, man. They really dropped the ball. Now, people will push back on with me and say, oh, well, the Cubs, you know, they have such, they got Chris Bryan and they have all these guys. You know, how can you really say the Cubs dropped the ball? It's because, you know, unless you're the Golden State Warriors or you have LeBron on your team, um, you know you got to make changes to that roster in my to any roster um, just to keep the guys fresh you need some new energy in there you need some new motivation um you know, they really didn't do anything uh, they didn't make any big splashes they really wanted to kind of keep their farm systems so that they did again they didn't make any trades uh, i just think the cubs And that's probably why, if you heard me last week, that's why they're supposedly going to end up fifth in the division. Um, You know, they're just the same ball club. I think you got to improve every year. And if you don't improve, you got to try. And you got to put your name in the hat, especially when you're the Chicago Cubs and you have an incredible payroll. I mean, the money they have in that in that organization is a joke. Go out and get somebody. Get another. I mean, who doesn't want another starter? Um, I mean, come on. Go spend some money if you're going to be the Chicago Cubs. But that's my opinion. And now that I've said that, they'll go win the division and go ahead and win the World Series. But, man, the Cubs really surprised me. I thought they'd really spend some money like the St. Louis Cardinals now I know we don't like to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals on this podcast but they are an impressive organization that I have to mention and of course the St. Louis Cardinals probably if if you ask me I think they had a better offseason than the Reds did they addressed exactly the needs they had of course they could have gotten more pitching but they went out and got MVP Paul Goldschmidt Reds fans know Paul Goldschmidt because he stole the MVP trophy from Votto a couple years ago. He always wins a silver slugger over Votto. He was an Arizona Diamondback, so he's in the National League. He would steal award after award after award from Votto, Um, but he is an absolute stud. Now, they only have him technically through the end of this year, but there's no doubt the St. Louis Cardinals will Give him an extension. He'll be there for a long time. And probably just as good of a, maybe not, but a really great acquisition they also made was Andrew Miller, a guy who kind of had an injury-ridden past last year. And, uh, I mean, he can come into any game. I mean, he could literally pitch you, pitch in probably about 80 games a year um, as a relief guy and come in and just shut you down, shut the door. Um, so, so The Cardinals, of course, the Cardinals are back. And the other thing about getting Paul Goldschmidt was they still have, if you remember, Jose Martinez, who's a really great – I don't know if you'd call him a prospect anymore because he's been up for a couple of years, but he's a really great young player. And Jed Jorko, um, another great guy who could have some value. So they got two guys they could move at the um, before the deadline and get some pretty decent value back, guys that they aren't playing every day because Paul Goldschmidt is there. So the Cardinals can make a lot of moves. The Cardinals are in an interesting spot. I think they'll obviously be near the top of the division at the end of the year. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that all plays out. Um, but anyway, that's all I got for you this week on Reds Pulse. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have quite the exciting season ahead. If you want to check out um, some next Red Spring training games that are on TV, you got this Friday, March 1st uh, at 9 p.m., The Reds will be on MLB Network, so if you're going out, you may want to set the DVR and come home and watch a little bit. And on Saturday, March 2nd, uh, the game is actually at 3 p.m., but they'll have a replay on MLB Network at 11 p.m. So set your DVR, tune in, I know I will, and uh, we'll get a better feeling every single day on how these Reds will look in 2019. Red's Pulse is brought to you every Thursday. If not on Thursday, I promise it will be up on Friday. But it hasn't happened yet, so you can't get too mad at me about that. But that may happen here one of these days. Uh, so stay tuned for that. You can follow me at bs from brenty 35 on Twitter. Again, that's at BSFromBrenti35 on Twitter. Uh, big shout-out to the Pulse Podcast Network. Love being a part of the family. It's so fun. I learn everything. Um, through them. I love being a part of that family. So please, please, please check us out. Give us a chance. And I promise we won't disappoint. Again, PulsePodcastNetwork.com or check us out on Twitter at Pulse Podcast Network. Um, Again, we have any kind of podcast you may be interested in. Guys, I will see you next week. Peace. At the end of your message, press 1.